I've just landed in Cape Town and I didn't realize that the Cape winter is really so bad. From a beautiful Durban to a wet and misty Cape Town. But there is a good reason for traveling to Cape Town because there's some beautiful bottle stores. There's obviously beautiful wine estates. And I'm down here visiting one of my favorite bottle stores in the probably in the whole world <laughs> and I always threaten that uh, the owner I threaten the owner if he he must tell his children to come back otherwise I'm going to take over his bottle store and I want you to welcome Tony Da Costa Thank well, you Olga Welcome, Tony it's wonderful to be here it's really what, you, what you've done here is a wonderful thing but it hasn't always been like this I think it started with 30 square meters you say yeah, that's right. Um, when I sold my previous business, which was in the plastics, I um, decided to go into property. But I've been dabbling in property all my life. And I bought this property in Claremont, which was very neglected. And um, there was a tiny little bottle store of a plus minus 30 square meters. And I thought, well, let me try the liquor trade once again, as I had been in the liquor trade years ago. But I thought I wanted to do something different, not a normal type of uh, bottle store. I thought, let me go into wine and all the crafty stuff. So I saw a gap in the market. Even then? Yeah. From the beginning? From the beginning, I said, I want to do something different. Uh, there were a couple of guys that had started in the craft business. This is seven years ago. Okay. And I thought, let me... It feels much longer than that. No, I've only been here seven years. Okay. Before that, before you start, I mean, before you tell us the story, before that you were on the East Rand, like most good uh, no. De Costas. No. No. I, <laughs> I was exported to to Cape Town 20 years ago. Oh. And uh, I got involved. That's when I sold my shoe business. I sold that to Saf Shoe, to um, uh, a big shoe company. And I thought, let me go to the Cape and I started Plastic Warehouse. Well, I bought a little shop, and um, we, I opened about 14 shops throughout the country. Wow. And then I sold that company. And, uh, well, I didn't really sell the company, I sold my shares. There were other partners involved. And um, that's when I got involved in this little property. It seems like most bottle store owners in Joburg are either involved in plastic or, or in bottle stores or both. Yeah, nowadays, uh, Westpac is a big group which Massive. is coming. And they, they're growing. I believe they've opened a couple in Durban. Uh, they opened the in Hillcrest, uh, yeah. Last, uh, a month they've opened like three or four. Okay, I only saw one. So they're very big. But the company I was involved, they're big in the Western Cape. Okay. They've got about eight stores here now. And the big thing with plastic is the margins, I guess. It's a margin and the stock doesn't go old. The stock very, doesn't go old, but you need lots of stock. You need lots of stock, yeah. But it's also very bulky, so you need lots of space. Yeah. That's the problem with the plastic business. Okay, and then you saw, you, you spotted this uh, little yeah, there was rundown there was, shop in Claremont. Yeah, there was a, it belonged to an um, advocate, funny hey. enough. He, he was trying to run a little supermarket in the bottle store. But um, Woolworths um, opened a store down the road. We were going to open a store down the road, and he was very worried that they closed him down. And that so didn't worry you? didn't worry me, so I just bought the property. And uh, it started with 30 square meters. And then a year later, I went to 250. 
and now we're sitting on about 450 squares. But our main focus is actually wine and service. Yeah, because you, service I mean, is a big thing. Explain what Claremont is. It must be one of the better areas in Cape Town, surely. Yeah, it's a, a, a income um, area in and the Western Cape. Yeah, uh, we service mainly doctors and lawyers. They all live in the area. Yeah, but also a little bit of the the younger hipster crowd or not yeah yeah we do get a lot of the younger guys as well so um that's when we went when i went to beer because i thought beer craft beer was a big thing and we went went into it in a big way but then beer dropped slightly yeah and in the last year since i since i revamped i went big again to beer because nobody was doing it yeah because so of the age of beer, used to get old. Beer gets old and it's difficult. But when, I mean, we st- when I when I did the beer book, I obviously found you and everybody spoke about Tony. And Tony was one of the few people that was supporting the craft beer industry. Besides Marnie at, at Ruland, who's obviously also, you know, quite a nice beer shop. And um, But what, <laughs> why did you do it? I don't know. I just, I just thought, <laughs> let me do something different. Yeah. So I didn't want to have a, a tops or, or a pick and pay liquor or whatever those shops. I wanted something different. Yeah. And I thought I should go into craft in a big way. Yeah. And um, it's actually worked very, very well for me. Uh, we grain every year. We grain. Yeah. And um, yeah, at the moment we're sitting in whiskies alone, which is also a big thing. I'm sitting with about 500 different whiskies. Wow. In the store. And craft beer, we're sitting with about 800 different beers, uh, mainly craft, a lot of imports as well. Yeah. And then in wine, probably sitting about 2,000 different labels. Different wines. We've got all the Garagista wines uh, and uh, those sort of things. And then also, um, I mentioned craft beer, hey? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, gins, we started with gins in a big way. And I'm sitting now with about 300 different gins, 300, locally yeah. and imported gins, yeah. But my question is, Tony, do you think you could have done this anywhere, or is it because of uh, you in the right area? I think we are in the right area in a way, but then we give that personal service. I've got Ezra, which is a wine consultant, which is here all the time, and the uh, people come in here and they're looking for wine for dinner, yeah. It tells them which one to have with which meal, and I think that's very, very important. And we're on the route to the, the biggest schools here in the area, to Bishops, mm. uh, Bosch, um boys, and that. So, so a lot of the uh, their mums picking up their kids from school will pop in and buy a bottle of wine, end up taking a case. That's what we try and do. All <laughs> that's the time. what you try and do. I've seen you, um, but. What I'm the point I'm trying to get at is is it because you went I mean did you have anything that I mean could anybody else start a business like this? Yes, they can. Um, I think it's it's hard work. It's a lot of work. I I did it as as, as a joke. I thought that this would be the sideline business. It's become a big business. It's yeah. a full time business now. And I've asked my son to join me. He says, no, I work too hard. He's not going to join me. <laughs> He'll rather do his apps and that type of thing, but not get involved in this work because it's a seven-day job. Yeah. Uh, 
but so some of the spas tell me spa owners in particular and you've got an okay next door so you know retailing on both sides they say to me they make so much money on the spa you know the tops gets kind of neglected or they don't have the inclination to to focus so they're happy just to buy whatever is is from dc yet you can Right here, there's huge super spa close by. There's there's lots of other competition, but you you know you can differentiate your store and and make a big success of it. Yeah, we're different. Uh, our our uh, supermarket, uh, well, our bottle store does two and a half times the turnover of a supermarket, uh, which people find uh, unbelievable that it works that way. But I think it's 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 hard work, and I've got three ladies here daily placing orders because we order from every single little wine farm in in the cape so it's it's hard work whereas these spas they order from dc and it's one order we do like three four hundred orders a week from different little wine farms yeah and, and, and distilleries and breweries and all the type of thing it's a lot of extra work so tell us a little bit about the wine business because I mean coming from from Durban obviously wine is not not that big um, what what does it take to be successful as a wine retailer keeping lots of stock that's a main variety thing. and keeping all the all the known uh, the little brands like the Eben Sardis Duncan Savage all those uh, winemakers that are making doing their own thing and they can't get well, you can't get those wines in other provinces. So, so wine represents about 40% of our turnover is wine. Okay. So we're big into that, but we've, we've got a, we focus a lot on wine as well, as in everything else. Yeah. Focus in the, in the whiskey. And we also have a, a, a whiskey club going. We, once a month we showcase a particular brand of whiskies. That works well for us. And how do you do that? Well, we have a, a tasting once a month at the Italian kitchen in uh, Kendall Road in Bergfleet and we get one of the uh, brand ambassadors of, from one of the whiskey companies to come and present the whiskey and we talk whiskey uh, mm. that particular night. And how many people get, come to that function? We, we have uh, about 100 members that are in that club but not all of them come at the same time at, uh, for the particular evening. We only have about 70 people where we taste six different whiskies, and then we have a um, finger supper after that. Okay. So it's quite a fun evening. And do you sell that night, or do they come back to your bottle store then? We, uh, they come back, we take orders, and they come back uh, during the following week, yeah. Okay, so it's pretty much like one of the, one of those wine club evenings. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And do you do that with wine, or is it are there too many other people doing that? No, we just do it with whiskey at this stage. We we're thinking of starting a gin one, uh, but we'll probably start it now within the next two months. With summer coming up, we'll start a, a gin one as well. Yeah. So weather plays a big role, as we said earlier here in the Cape. How does it affect your business, or does it just change? Well, winter we sell a lot of red wine, but yeah. yes, it does drop slightly during the winter cold months. But yes, people drink a lot of red wine because they sit by the fire yeah. and, uh, and hibernate and drink wine. Okay, and, and just can you tell us how, what portion of your business uh, comes from SAB or the other big companies? Well, if I look at my, my beer market, 
Um, about uh, 43% is craft and import. We're talking around value. And the rest is SAB and Heineken together. Together. And so, we're, so we're big in the craft and imported beers. Okay. So it's nearly half. Yeah. Almost uh, half, yeah. Yeah. When I started in the business, in there was a guy in Peter Marisburg, Mr. Um, I remember his name. Um, and he always said to me, the big lesson is that if you can sell a high percentage of wine in your bottle store, it's a good bottle store because you're not relying on SAB. Are you also finding that SAB is putting a lot of, or the big, the big companies are putting a lot of pressure on the margins, or do you just make your normal margins on SAB, on on the big brands? Yeah, they are, but we give, uh, we allocate small spaces for them because we are look at the the profit per square meter of of uh, product. So so SAB is in the back of my store. It's not in front. SAB and Heineken. I focus on mainly craft. Yeah, and in the craft beer, what is doing well? Is it local or is it from all over the country? Uh, mainly local. Uh, Devil's Peak, uh, Darling. Um, what else is there? A couple other guys. That's mm. mainly local. Minus Breweries does quite well here. Um, now people come from all over to our store because we have got. We are known to have the biggest range of any alcohol products in the Western Cape. Yeah. And I'm sure Olga will agree with that. <laughs> I do agree with that. Um, and do you get a chance to travel to Joburg and, and other parts of the country? Yeah, I, I do. I go often up to Joburg because I've got a, a son and granddaughters there, so I often go up to Joburg. And do you get a um, chance to visit the trade or not really? Yeah, I do, but they're different. Cape Town is different. I mean, but it's this particular area, I mean, Claremont is different. I mean, people come in here and say, wow. They could never sell this in any other store. In any, they couldn't have the store in, in say, Boxburg or wherever. Um, it's just that we've just got the right area, and we've got the right clientele, and we've got the right service. Mm. It's all about service. I think the main thing nowadays is service. Because people want service, and if you can give that, you're doing very well. Yeah. So my mission is really to to show, I guess, the other retailers that it's not. They say you're lucky you live you're in Claremont, or they say Mike is in Hillcrest, and and but that's not really what it's about. It does people will travel if you offer a good service and a good selection. Absolutely, you need you need to have to give a good service and selection is very very important. And I'm fortunate enough. I grew from from a, a very low base, and I'm sitting now with a lot of stock. And um, and that's what people want to see. They want to see stock and they want to see selection. Yeah. And they want to see service. That's what I drum on my staff. Service, service, service. And tell me, you're not scared of the chain stores like everybody else? No, no, I've never been scared of the chain stores. I've never, ever been scared of any chain store. They can open down the road. They can do their thing. It's just going to be... Uh, people want to... They want to relate to a, to a person, I believe. I mean, I'm here in the house a lot of time. And I've got my people that are in household all the time, and we and we uh, customers king. Mm. That's our main thing as well. And what I also see is that you're investing in people. You're not scared to, um, like you said, you've got a guy that's dedicated to the beer. There's a guy that's dedicated to wine. Where I see a lot of the, especially the chain stores, only have tailors in their store. 
Does that make a big difference? Absolutely. I mean, we people, like I've said a couple of times, people want service. And uh, they want to greet you and they want people to help them, whatever, whatever they want to buy. Yeah. I did some training for a few top stores in Pinetown recently, and Pinetown is not the best part of Durban, but um, and, and the training was really a lot with the merchandisers and the tailors. And I think we sometimes assume that everybody knows, but the one guy said to me, it's all wine made from grapes. And so I think it's, I mean, you obviously invest time in training your people. Um, and they understand what what the business is all about, and get to is are there opportunities here to learn more about the different beers, or how do you do that? No, we uh, when when a new beer comes in, I make sure that our guys uh, are present, and the brewer must explain to him how the beer is made, talk the whole beer thing to him, so he understands. The same applies to wine, and we get our staff, even our tellers know our product. We train, we have a, a meeting once a week where we talk uh, about about the shop and what's happening and where we're growing, where we want to grow uh, and that type of thing. So all our staff know exactly what's happening in the store and most of them will know where the wines are, what the wines are about. Mm. I think that's uh, also very important. Yeah. When we met, it, it was, I mean, craft beer was booming and it it was f- five or six years ago and you were one of the big destinations. Um, but then it died off a little bit, but you're back with beer now. Yeah, I thought because um, all the, the groups are taking the craft beers out of their stores, I thought, let me change this. And when I uh, read and I changed my entrances, I focused on craft beer. So as you walk into my store, you'll see all the new craft beers. That's my main focus. And it's been growing. Uh, I've, I've changed this in the beginning of the year, and we're growing like 20% on a monthly basis with craft beer. Okay. So, so craft beer is becoming big again. It did, it did, there was a, t- a time when it dropped, but now it's because everybody tried to do it. So it's not easy to copy what you're doing on the beer side, I guess. Uh, No, um, because you have to turn the beer over. What happens if you don't? Do you just sell it out at a discount? Sell it it out. Give it to staff. (laughs) (laughs) Before it expires. Yeah. And um, imported beer, how how does that work for you? We do very well with German beers and Austrian beers. They do very well. Um, and obviously the Belgians, I see a lot of Belgians there. Yeah, a lot of Belgian beer, yeah. That does very well. Yeah. Okay, and then I see the, the new thing is the, the cans. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the canned beer. Yeah, the canned, uh, cans are working very, very well because of the, the artwork on the actual can. Uh, each little can tells a story, so, so, so people are going for the cans, and that's working very, very well. We've got old, uh, what's his name? Rob Haynes. Uh, Rob Haynes behind it. Yeah. And he's, he's uh, canning all these beers. He's going to all these little breweries and he's canning the beers. And it's actually working very, very well. And is the shelf life better or is it the same? I think it's about the same. Okay. It doesn't get, it doesn't get a chance to get old in the shop. It moves. <laughs> well, I get my guys to push it. Yeah. Push it. It just looks like a recipe that could be duplicated. I mean, if you if you take just the cans, it should be something yeah. that other bottle stores could try. 
Yes, I think I think because of the the artwork on the cans, uh, it looks very funky and and uh, yeah, it can work. I'm sure it can work. Yeah. It's working for me. So so guys out there must try and see what happens. Yeah. Okay, and and the whiskey. Is it because now I'll tell you why? Because if I go into Macro, I mean Macro can obviously afford everything and they've got good terms and everything. How does one compete with Macro on whiskey? Well, well, I've got a selection. I've got a bigger selection of Macro, I think. Yeah. And again, I've got a couple of Batiki whiskies which okay. Macro won't have. And um, but they could get them because it doesn't expire. Yeah, they could get them. But but then the, I mean I know my whiskey I know what's a peated whiskey unpeated whiskey where it comes from I can talk whiskey okay so so we can we can talk about the whiskey and that's what customers want I mean when you go to macro you get all these whiskies and and you don't know what's peated what's a single malt what's whatever and um, that's what works for us people come or they want the aged whiskey we've got whiskies uh, we have 50 old whiskies all the way from three year to 50 year old whiskies. And even the same with port. We've got uh, even ports of 40-year-old uh, ports. I see you've got a 40-year-old port. Tell us about it. Well, uh, Liquor City brings that in. Okay. And um, well, I, I went to Jobe and I saw the port there. And I told the guys, listen, I need this port. But, uh, I mean, I can sell it in Jobe. So I went there and I grabbed a couple of cases of the 40, the 30, the 20, the 10, and the unaged one. And I'm sitting with stock over here. So I'm the only shop in Cape, I think, that's got a 40-year-old port. <laughs> Uh, on the shelf yeah and then tell us a little bit about the podcast that you sponsor when I tweeted this morning that I was I tweeted this photo of Tony and 400 whiskies which he's updated to 500 whiskies Mark from a whiskey blogger said oh where's that store he certainly wants to do that he said he said that he listens to the podcast but you sponsor the podcast and he didn't know that or he probably didn't know why you sponsored it yeah, uh, Hector Macbeth and Guy McDonald from uh, Magic Radio 88. I think Guy is actually a Durbanite. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's a DJ from Durban. But he now lives in Cape Town. And uh, he's a very good DJ. And they, have a, they approached me to, to uh, sponsor uh, the um, uh, Follow the Grapevine and Two Max and a Dram. Mm. Two Max and a Dram is by old Guy McDonald and Hector Macbeth. And they talk whiskey every two weeks on a Thursday night. I think it offers five uh, on Magic Radio. And that's live radio. Live radio, and then the, you can go to the website and you can listen to. Podcasts. You can listen to the podcast. So, so I get a, a wine maker to come in, and he talks about his wine, and then I get the uh, uh, a whiskey as well. And the brand manager will talk about the whiskey. With Hector, does Hector still have his online shop? Doesn't he compete with you? <laughs> no, he doesn't compete with me. He doesn't have online shop. Anymore. Okay, okay. Uh, he brings a lot of the whiskies which I keep. Yeah, uh, which you can't get in a lot of places. So you're one of his customers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're good friends. He lives just on the road. Okay. So he comes and see what I do, uh, and tell me what is what's new in the in the whiskey trade. So, so I'm a fan with the with all the whiskies. Yeah. In the country and, any, and anybody wants that wants to launch something in Cape Town, be it a gin, a whiskey, a beer, they generally come first to me to say whether I'll bring it in, well, whether I'll stock it, and I'll just take it in. If it's a small, uh, small guy, I'll try and help the small guys. Mm. 
that's what my that's what my thing. Yeah, I've certainly sent a lot of people here, and <laughs> you've helped them. So it's always good to know that you you're supporting the small guys because that's really, I think, how the easiest way to make to make a difference. Absolutely. Um, or to differentiate your store. I've had um, Hector Macbeth and. John Michael de Souza on on radio in okay. in Belita a few I mean I've had um, Hector on a few times with different whiskey guys so it's it is it is always good fun to engage with these people and uh, uh, and to have them on the, on on the media or on on the radio. Um, yeah. yeah, we also have whiskies. Uh, I mean, we've got whiskies from all over the world. I've got whiskies from from Goa, from India, from uh, Japan, from Taiwan, Scotland, of course, Ireland, uh, even France. I've got a whiskey from France. Wow. And um, I, I've had a Welsh whiskey and I've had Australian whiskey, but I don't have any more stock of those two. So, so, and we've got a very good South African whiskies. We've got the Baines, I, I, I've got the Baines, normal Baines, and I've got the 15-year-old Baines, um, which you can't get, but somehow I've got it in here. <laughs> and all the, the three ships, I've got the 15, the 10, uh, and the 5, and then I've also got the Boerplas, six-year-old whiskey, which is actually a very, very good whiskey. Yeah, I've tried that. And the uh, normal three-year-old. Okay. So we also... And do you know there's a distillery in Pretoria that makes whiskey? Yes, I've had the whiskey. Called, uh, it's called, I had it, yeah. The Highfelt Single Malt. Uh, yeah. And I've got another one here called, what is this? Limpopo Reserve. Okay. Single Barrel Whiskey. That's interesting. And the distiller is? I don't know. I, don't know. I can't read that. Uh, well. <laughs> can't read it. We're too old. <laughs> Looks interesting. There we go. Well, it's wonderful to visit the Cape, especially Tony here at Liquor City in Claremont. What is, where can people find you? What's the address? 43 Palmyra Road. And you online quite a lot on Twitter, I see. Yes, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. So, yeah. so we must talk about that because I, you, you referred me to your nephew. Um, and when he was in Pretoria and he told me the story, they thought their uncle had gone mad because he started doing Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> Can you remember that story? Yeah, well, they, they always refer to me as the old man. But I thought if they can do it, I can also do it. <laughs> and it's worked for you, hey? It's worked very, very well, yeah. 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 We have um, what works for us uh, well as well is our wine tastings and gin tastings. Uh, from from uh, Wednesday to Sunday, we have tastings here every day. Really? Be it, be it uh, wine, beer, gin. Uh, just one. Uh, we'll either have a gin and and wine and beer. We don't duplicate them on the same evening or during the day. So that, that works very, very well as well. Yeah. And now some tips for, for the for the brand owners. I mean, how do... There's so many gins now. Let's say a gin guy. How can he still... There's still guys that are launching gin brands. Absolutely. What Every a, week there's, <laughs> one, there's a new gin coming out. Yeah. What, what, what would you say? I mean, what is your message to them? Well, if they can get in, I mean, if you go to Europe, I mean, I was in in uh, Spain last year, and there's so many gins there, and they're still growing in in, in Europe and, and in London. I'm actually going next week, and um, they're, st- they're still launching in there overseas. So there's still a gap in the market, but you have to have a very good product. 
otherwise you're not going to survive and it's hard work it's hard work to to launch these products uh, the marketing and the branding and all that type of thing um, but yeah we still get guys coming every week with a new gin mm. or just about every week um, we just I just tell them good luck to them because it's a, it's a tough market to be in it is tough and uh, it's tough to to differentiate I mean there's some nice packaging but now everybody's in nice packaging so even the nice packaging doesn't make it stand <laughs> out again um, talking brandy a little bit uh, does brandy still work here? Uh, no we're not a brandy st- uh, store pot still yes yeah the pot still old. Uh, Simone Musgrave she's launched the pot still is it uh, selling? it's a little bit slow and so is is uh, uh, the six dogs they've also got brandy it's a bit slow we're not really a brandy store mm. we'll sell pots still but brandy I can't sell yeah that they must go northern suburbs or to spas to buy Richelieu and Clipdrift yeah when I was the last time when I was at Blarklippen um, the triple three guys were still based at Blarklippen and they'd made a little brandy room with all the little pot store brandies and I guess you keep all of those yeah but they've moved uh, that's moved on it's been they've sold. moved out yeah, yeah, yeah they've moved out that's the what's his name the German guy um, the, from Rolf, three. yeah Rolf Seidfogel yeah Rolf yeah he's moved no. out of the of block clip and he's doing his own, doing his own thing yeah mm. but uh, I mean do you keep all those all those brandies that they would have stocked there I keep anything if it sells if it's uh, in the market I'll go for it well I first look at the, at the label and I, ta- I try and taste a lot of the stuff but yeah, I want to have the biggest range of everything. That's alcohol. Yeah. In the so, Western Cape. So there you have it. I think Tony wants to have the biggest range of alcohol in the country. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a big enough store, though. <laughs> Tony, it's been wonderful visiting you. And uh, for the for our listeners, we're gonna do a little bit of a video so that Tony can sh- Tony can show off what it looks like because I think it's a beautifully a laid out store even though there's very little space and please visit Tony when you next time you're in the Western Cape or if you live in Cape Town go to Liquor City Claremont in Palmyra Drive Palmyra uh, uh, no, Palmyra Road 43 Pal- Palmyra Road 43 Palmyra Road and nobody the other side the railway line nobody can spell that <laughs> stupid word <laughs> T- Tony you would there was talk that you were opening a second store is that is that happening or not well I don't know yet I'm thinking about I'm too old uh, I'm too old and my son doesn't want to join me so, so what must I do <laughs> I'm supposed to be retired by now and I'm still bloody working <laughs> uh, there you go anybody looking for a beautiful bottle store Tony will sell you a store <laughs> <laughs> not really now I'm still going to be I'm still going to be around for two, three years and see how it goes. Okay. Thanks, Tony. I still, I, still, I still haven't stopped growing, so why must I sell? I must grow. There's no point, eh? <laughs> <laughs> that was Tony from Liquor City, Claremont, and uh, thanks for joining us today. What a wonderful success story. Well done, Tony, and thank you for supporting the small guys. Knowledge in the industry is not what it used to be and we are on a mission to help retailers train their staff and let them have better knowledge. Those guys that are in contact with your customers every day. I recently did a training for five or six tops retailers in Pinetown and the response from the staff was amazing. Guys are just 
so lacking knowledge and are they so eager to learn? So that was a wonderful opportunity. And we want to take that online. We want to build some courses and provide training for retailers and for their teams. And I want to invite all retailers to join us at DrinksBiz, an online community for business owners and professionals in the beverage industry. Check it out at www.drinksbiz.co.za. If you are still listening to this podcast on your desktop, do me a favor and download it on your Android or on your iPhone. It's much better to listen to a podcast while you're at the gym or driving or sitting in the queue at the bank. It makes more sense. One last favor. If you know of any retailers or brand owners that may benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. Tony has so many valuable lessons for us. Thank you and we'll speak to you soon.